0: Thank you so much for listening to the Jesus Family Podcast, where we want to help you follow Jesus and find family. We are in a teaching series called You Are What You Think, how the enemy attacks you, how to fight back, and how to know that you're winning. These episodes are recorded live every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Central on Facebook and YouTube. And then I will take that, edit it down, and release it the following Monday for the Jesus Family Podcast. So if you want to watch any of these episodes live, Please join me this Wednesday night at 8 p.m. on Facebook or YouTube. All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Midweek. Excited that you're here. We are really um, kind of getting into the meat of this series called You Are What You Think, which is um, it's all designed to help you know how the enemy is attacking you, how to fight back, and how to know that you're winning. So this is something that I have... Been on a journey with myself uh, for the last gosh decades. Once I really started getting into that, and and I'm really excited about this episode because it's going to be me kind of giving you some insight into my journey. Um, And so it's I want to try to engage a teaching method that's not just telling you what I think you should think, but why I think you should think it, and how I got to the place where I came to think that, and hopefully it'll convince you uh, along the way. So I just I, I don't want to just tell you what I think the Bible says, but why I think it says it, and see if I can make that case. So, um, so anyways, let me give you some goals at the top, as we always do, just to let you know what we're going to try to do uh, in this episode. The first one is, I want to try to explain my journey with spiritual warfare and Ephesians 6. And the reason I want to try to explain it is because it's going to be a unique view, and it's probably going to be a theory that you might not have heard before. I've done a lot of research, I'd never heard of it before, so I just want to try to give you some background and I want to try to give you some context so you can understand. So that's uh, the first goal. The second goal is I want to help you understand what to focus on and what not to focus on with the armor of God, and that. Man, it confused me for so many years. I loved the idea of the armor of God, but I always uh, walked away more confused. And every time I would read a book and someone would promise all these different insights into spiritual warfare and armor of God, I'm like, man, let me buy that book. Let me listen to that talk. Um, and in the end, it would i just walk away. <laughs> I still wouldn't know kind of what, uh, what was going on. So I want to try to give you some very specific things. And it starts with— Not just what to focus on, but what not to focus on with the armor of God. So, quick recap. If you've been with us so far, I'm going to go through this really quick. Episode one of this series, we just try to prove the point that the world is really, really, really messed up. Episode two, Satan is behind it all. There is a person behind the problems. Episode three, Satan's primary method of attack is through lies. Episode four, lies are deadly. It's not just sweet little white lies. They will absolutely destroy you. Episode five, the unholy trinity, that's the world, the flesh, and the devil. They're designed to overwhelm us. It's a blitzkrieg attack against us. And then last episode, we did a little bit of a detour and try to prove the point that even Christians, we are not immune to the deception of the devil. That unfortunately, sometimes the fox can get inside the hen house. So this is not just for those out there this is for us. This is for people who follow Jesus and, um, and love the church and love serving others. This is for us. This is for all of us. So tonight, we're going to try to focus on what's the focus of the armor of God. So we're finally, after six episodes, we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6 starting next episode. This is the last uh intro I promise. So here's the opening question. Um let me see if I can get this. Let me take that off. Don't need that for later. Um all right, so the opening question that we started off with is what's the point of the armor of god? What's the point of the armor of god? you know, is it just pieces of armor? Is it just a metaphor? Is Paul being specific? If he's being specific, it still seems kind of not specific. So that's what we're, that's what we're going to try to look at. And I want to try to give you just a little bit of my background of how confused I was. And maybe you've been through some of these journeys, or maybe you've been through some of these stages as well. So I went through, um, I like to call them like five different phases. Phase one, of my insight into our journey with the this spiritual warfare passage in Ephesians 6 which we w- we will read in just a moment. Phase 1 is I call like fascination, okay? So I mean if you're in church and you're bored, the preacher's going on too long and you know I can say that as a preacher who many times went on too long, um, you know, you start reading the Bible and you start looking for stuff that's interesting. There's, you know, a lot of stories in the Old Testament that are interesting, but one of the stories that always fascinated me was this passage on spiritual warfare in Ephesians chapter 6 because it had swords and shields and helmets and enemies and you know fighting dragons and wizards and it was like all the you know the books and the movies that I'd read but it was in the Bible so I thought it was great. So I was just fascinated about this that there is an unseen enemy out there, the devil, that he's attacking us, but we have armor. and so I thought it was pretty cool. okay so at that point, You know, it was just fascination, so I really wanted to get into it. So phase two is what I like to call Crazy Town. Crazy Town is I've started reading books on spiritual warfare, and guess what? There is an entire market of folks who claimed, hey, this is what you need to know about this spiritual warfare, and this is what you need to know about this spiritual warfare, and so a lot of it was just this is my experience. And a lot of those experiences contradicted each other and, you know, but they claim to be authoritative and they claim to have a vision from God. And it's really hard to contradict someone who claims to have heard from God. So I just kind of went down that, but it just, it led to some weird places and it led to the point where, you know, they were, Saying that I needed to find out the name of a territorial demon so that I can bind it in the name of Jesus and start doing some research on demonology, like it. This was in college, and it was it was it was crazy time. Even I was like, "Nah, this no, nah, this is getting in some weird places." I don't think these guys know what they're talking about because they're not. You know, there's no proof. It's just this is this is how it is. Why? Because I said so. Well, when you have ten other books saying opposite and they're all saying because i said so it's 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 hard to really know what to believe so i didn't stay in crazy town too long and then i went into the don't need it phase theology edition so the don't need it phase was when you know i couldn't make heads or tails of spiritual warfare so i started getting into deep deep theology and all these big you know dollar 50 words and and i was you know in bible college and taking you know graduate level classes and in the bible and stuff so it was just all this you know this sanctification the soteriology and propitiation and all the you know blah 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 stuff and you know we we didn't really talk about spiritual warfare we didn't need spiritual warfare because we had the bible and we had good theology which was our theology and then that ran into a brick wall in africa i lived in africa for two years as a, a missionary and I saw some things, I experienced some things. I saw some spiritual things that couldn't just be explained away in a theology textbook. So I knew that there was a spiritual world out there and I knew it seemed more present in some places, but not as much in America. But when I came back to America, I began to see spiritual warfare all around. I still just didn't feel like I had the tools of how to, how to attack it. Um, and then I went into phase four, which was also the don't need it phase, but I called it the business model edition, where you don't really need to worry about the devil because you go to these conferences and these church growth strategies and you just get, you know, this preaching style and this style of music and you do this fundraising technique and you get this pastor and that pastor and this communications director and this executive pastor and you, you know, and you do all this and you dress this way and that's, that's all you need. So it's just the business model, Chick fil A approach, make it like a business. Did that for way too long. Um, and that's still, that still, that just denies the reality of the spiritual. So the last phase where I've kind of been for the last several years has been the just the I don't know phase. Like I know it's real, but I still don't know any specifics. So I went through the phase where like every morning I would pray, God, I would, I pray that I'm. You know, I put on the belt of truth. I put on the breastplate of righteousness. I put on the feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. I take up the shield of faith. God, I'm going to put on the helmet of salvation today. And I was almost like an incantation trying to say, I'm going to put these things on. I still didn't know what they were or how to do it. Like, how do you actually put on a belt of truth? I mean, do do you get like one of those big WWE belts and just write truth on the front and put on the belt? Like, no, I don't think... Paul was being literal. So I I wanted to do it, still didn't have the specifics. And, you know, then I got to the point where I started thinking, you know, maybe it wasn't about the belt or the sword or the helmet or the shield, but it was what it was attached to it. And so that that was that was halfway there. I'm going to get to that in just a second, but I went through all these different phases. So With that, what should you know? Okay, so here's what I've learned up to this point that I I think it's worth for you to know. The first is this. Don't focus on the armor in the armor of God. I know that's odd. uh, And it confused me for years because I would read these um, Bible commentaries from seminary professors, like really highly trained seminary professors. And a lot of these commentaries... I mean, every time I would go to a Bible bookstore and look in a new commentary, the first thing I would go, I would literally for years, I would go to Ephesians. I would look at Ephesians 6. I wanted to see what their take was on the armor of God because I was just trying to figure it out. And in the end, it was all very vague of like, hey, we need to be surrounded by truth and we need to be surrounded by righteousness. Okay, I can figure that out because that's the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. What does that mean? And then some of the other Commentaries would just say, "Well, this is why a belt was important. The belt was the first thing a soldier put on in the Roman army." Okay, great history lesson. A shield was very important to the Romans, and this is why a shield was important. And here, here's why the breastplate was important to the Roman soldier. Okay, great. Thanks for the history lesson. But Paul was using the armor as a metaphor that we're in war, so I don't need a history lesson of why a shield is important and why a helmet is important. Like, what is? What does that mean? So, with all that, here's one of the things that really began to click a light bulb off. So the first thing I'll say is this. Don't focus on the armor in the armor of God. Here's what I mean by that. Let's actually look at this passage. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13 through 17. We're going to camp out here for the next seven weeks. Here's what it says. Therefore... Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So that's how you fight the devil. By putting on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the feet fitted with the readiness. So, okay. But what I'm saying is don't focus on the armor and the armor of God. Here's why. Because Paul says this. He also says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, he says, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So when he's talking to another church, he's also talking about spiritual warfare. He reiterates that the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. So when Paul says, take up the shield of faith, he doesn't mean go to your local armory buy a shield and write the word faith on it. He doesn't mean buy a sword and write the word spirit on it. He means it metaphorically. So don't focus on the armor in the armor of God. So that's the first part. What do you focus on though? Well, this was the other part that really, really kind of started to connect some dots for me. Uh, And we already talked about this, I think, in the second, second and third week. In John 8, 44, when Jesus is exposing the devil's playbook, he says this, John eight forty four, you belong to your father, the devil, which by the way, can we just stop and recognize how weird that is? When he's saying you, he is not talking to the pagan Romans. He is talking to the Jewish religious leaders, the pastors, the deacons, the seminary professors of the day, the, 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 me for 20 years, you know? So, so anyways, that's a, that's a sobering accusation by Jesus. You, this particular group that he was talking to, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language for he is a liar and the father of lies. And so that's why week three, I made the argument that the Satan's primary attack is through lies. So, when Paul says that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm, when we're fighting the devil and the, and the forces of the devil, and when Jesus says, what I argue here is that Satan's primary method of attack is through lies, well then let's apply the armor of God to lies. How does the armor of God specifically help us fight against the deception, which is the main method of attack, the deception and the lies of the devil? So, let me go to the next part. Don't focus on the armor in the armor of God. Focus on what's attached to the armor. So for years, I was fixated on swords and shields and helmets and shoes and all that sort of stuff. I began to wrestle with it more in a good way. I felt like I was actually making progress when I I just stopped caring about a shield and a sword and a helmet. I started looking at what was actually attached to the armor. For instance, let's go back. So in Ephesians chapter 6, I'm going to put it up here. If you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, you can see me underlining Stand firm then with the belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, feet fitted with the readiness, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, sword of the Spirit. So, put aside helmet and shield and sword and, you know, belt for a moment. What we need to focus on is truth, righteousness. Readiness, now this is gonna be an interesting one because it's a weird phrase, that third phrase that Paul says, the feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. That is an absolute mouthful. And I've seen it interpreted a lot of different ways. The two primary ways of interpreting it are the shoes of peace or the shoes of the gospel. And I've seen it explained so many different ways. But if you look, trust me, if you look at it grammatically in the original language, what Paul is emphasizing is the shoes of readiness, and he defines readiness by that this readiness comes from the gospel of peace, which we'll get into, just like he describes the shield of that faith can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one, and he explains the sword of the Spirit by describing it as the Word of God, but it's the shoes of readiness. So we need to focus on faith, sorry, truth, righteousness, readiness, faith, salvation, And spirit. So don't focus on the armor. Focus on what's attached to the armor. And then another thing that always kind of fascinated with me, and if you're watching this, you can see this. But right, let me see if I can put this up. Number three. Okay. Uh, Right in between verses 15 and 16, there's a grammatical like pause. Because he lists six different things in two separate groups. Let me just read it and see if you can hear it. Stand firm, then, then he's going to stand firm. Then then he's going to give a list with the belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, and your feet fitted with the readiness. In addition to all this, take up. Then he gives another list of three: shield of faith, helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit. So he makes a grammatical like grouping two groupings of 3 first 3 second 3 i think that's important so i began to again wrestle with this for months okay what are the two parts how do these how do these things you know um play into the deception of the devil and how to overcome and combat the deception of the devil and Does it make sense that it would be in two different parts? And I think it does. And when it does, that's when I get so excited about it. Because for me, the lights came on. I'm like, oh my goodness, this thing actually makes sense. So let me share it with you. This is my working theory, why you should care. Okay, the reason I think we should care is because we can learn how to detect and defeat the lies of the devil. So my overarching theory is that the first three parts of the armor of God, when he's talking about truth, righteousness, and readiness, those three things help you detect the lie of the devil, that a lie is a lie, that you are being deceived. Because the most dangerous deception is the one that you don't even see, because it's the one you may already believe. So how can you even spot a lie? And again, if you think you're not being deceived at all, that there's no deceptions that you're wrestling with, well, then you probably need to do a better job of, of, of uh, identifying them. So how can you see the unseen? How can you see something that's designed to be hidden? Well, you do it through truth, righteousness, and readiness. That's the first part. And so once you get to the first part, okay, there's a lie and there's a lie that's been in my life or in my family that I've believed. The problem is there's going to be a part of you that wants to believe it, that wants it to be true. That's why the devil's deceptions are so alluring because there's a part of it that is part of its true or true enough. And part of you wants to do it and others around you are living out that truth. That's the world of flesh and the devil. So, I mean, half the battle is identifying the lie and then once you identify it, how do you beat it? When every part of you wants to live out that lie and everyone around you is pressuring you to live out that lie. Well, the way you do that is through the next 3 steps, which is faith, salvation, and the spirit. And it's it I'm telling you, like I'm just I'm shooting ahead, it all makes sense. Paul is such an amazing writer. I mean, even his enemies of that day, they knew he was smart. He's a smart guy. He's very intentional with how he he writes it. So not only are these six steps sequential and not only do they make sense of how to defeat the devil, but they defeat the devil in the primary way that Jesus already identified in John chapter eight, which is through deception. And even better than that, Paul had actually been sprinkling Easter eggs for this climactic passage all the way through. The book of Ephesians. You see these six words appear again and again in the book of Ephesians. So by the time we get to Ephesians 6, he's not actually introducing anything new. He's recapping what he's already taught. It's just, oh, it's amazing. It's amazing stuff. Cannot wait to to, to go through that with you. And that's why I'm, I'm taking my time with this uh, because, I mean, there's just so much to unpack. So why should we care? Because I really think that Paul is teaching— The first century of Christians under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, how to detect the lies of the devil and how to defeat the lies of the devil. And I think that's incredibly important. If you just remind, remind us what's at stake. Remind you who's at stake. I mean, you're fighting for those that you love. You're fighting for your kids, your grandkids, your marriage, yourself, your happiness, your purpose. You're fighting for the next generation, you're fighting for your church, you're fighting for your community. I mean, this is important. It's absolutely important. So we should care passionately and deeply about this. This is not just, "Oh, it's a neat little, you know, Bible trivia information I can use in my next Bible study or impress my Sunday school teacher the next time I see them." I think this is this can actually do some incredible, incredibly powerful things in your life. As we live out these truths, so that's why I think you should care about it because I think it's absolutely just life changing. I just I can't I cannot express enough how motivated I am to to walk through this because I I think just this just makes sense. I I think this is what Paul has, has meant. I think this is what the Spirit is saying. It lines up all throughout Scripture. This is not just. Oh, I got a neat idea, and this is new. Like I'm going to lay it out. It's here's where it is in Scripture. Here's what we see from the beginning to the end, and I'm going to try to build my case, an airtight case that this is what Paul is talking about. And in the end, we're going to learn how the devil attacks, how to fight back, and how to actually know that we're winning. Oh man, I'm so excited about that. So, all right. So here's how we're going to finish out. How do we live? How should we live? Well, let's go on a quest together into a first century letter. This whole thing has just been trying to just to get us ready. you know, I, I could tell you right now what the six things are, what I think those six things are in, in the armor of God. But I don't want it to go one ear out the other. At this point, I know I've got a faithful few watching this and listening to this. And I hope that you're invested enough that you're thinking, okay, this might actually, this might actually, you know, unlock some things in my life that I've been struggling with. This might actually be a game changer for my church, for those that I love, for my family. So let's go on a quest. And the quest that I want to go on is the slide I accidentally put up earlier, and that is the movie. If you remember the movie National Treasure, great movie, Nicolas Cage. It's the ultimate like popcorn summer flick you know don't look too hard into the into the plot but i mean it's a it's great it's a fun little adventure feel good story and basically is there is a hidden treasure and the map or the the key to the map is written on the back of the declaration of the In- of independence they got to steal it and then they got to rub some lemon juice on it and they got to you know start start the quest and find this thing and blah 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 but the the thing that always just fascinated me as a kid when i was watching it was Man, for hundreds of years, the map to this treasure was literally hiding in plain sight. It was on the back of the Declaration of Independence. But no one looked at it until, of course, Nicolas Cage came in and saved the day. So that's what I mean when I say let's go on a quest. Let's go on a let's go on like a, a national treasure quest. Like, let's go on a quest. Let's go on a treasure hunt. I, I'm not just going to tell you, hey, here's what the Bible says. I, I want you to discover it yourself. I want you to wrestle with some questions. I want you to do some research. I want you to read the scriptures. Like, the, for this to work, you can't just take my word for it because I don't want you just to put your trust in, in me. I want you to try to put your trust in in scripture and let the Spirit teach you the way that He's taught me. Um, so that's going to take a lot of investigation. It's going to take a lot of spade work. We're have to roll up our sleeves. And again, we're seven episodes in. Lord willing, this entire series is going to be 21 episodes. So we're literally a third of the way through. And this quest is not found on the back of the Declaration of Independence, which has been around for 225 plus years. This is actually hiding, not on the back, but literally on the front pages of the book of Ephesians, a letter that has been in existence for almost 2,000 plus, over 2,000 years by this point. It's been there. But I just don't think, I, I haven't seen it at least. But now I think I see it in a way that I can teach it. And that's what I'm so excited to, to take you along. So if you're willing just to buckle up and let's grind this thing out. So bring your Bibles, walk through this, Go back and read that passage in in 2 Corinthians. Read and read and read and read again Ephesians 6. And if you want a little bit of homework, start thinking on your own. Okay? Start thinking on your own. What does it look like to put on the belt of truth? Because next week, we're going to start going through the belt of truth. We're going to start going through it. And that's all we're going to focus on. Stand firm them with the belt of truth. What exactly is he talking about? So start thinking, don't worry about belts and why they were important to Roman soldiers in the first century. That's not the point of what Paul was trying to make. The whole point of those armor pieces is just try to convey the fact that we are in a battle and we need to treat it as such. We need to focus not on the pieces of armor, but what's attached to the armor. So truth. And here's a hint Go back and read earlier in Ephesians and look for the word truth because Paul already gave us the answer earlier in the book of Ephesians. So that's where we're going to pick up next week. If you have any theories, ideas, feel free to reach out to me throughout the week and I will see you next Wednesday. Thanks guys so much for joining me.